Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Blumore and this week it's cold, it's miserable and QPR gave us absolutely nothing to cheer about on Sunday, losing in an extremely passive way to top of the league, Burnley. Uh, we do at least have a full-time manager now, so I guess that is something to cling on to. Joining me this week to discuss all this and a little bit more is Micah Chadley. Micah, welcome. Um, you know, pretty interesting footballing week for England fans and then QPR fans. Mm. Uh, I completely forgot that we were playing on Sunday, to be honest with you. like, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you, Alex, until you mentioned that... Um about the new manager, I almost forgot that we got a new manager, to be honest with you. It's been such a such a busy week. Yeah. Um we were just talking pre recording about sort of like England's fortunes and we're not going to bore you with that now. But to go straight from an England knockout game to the next day playing uh QPR playing uh was really weird. I guess it would have been yeah. even more bizarre if uh you know, on the day we were playing a three o'clock kickoff. I can't imagine what that was like. Um, but yeah, like it's it's a, it's a really bizarre season and it's started up again in the possibly the worst way, I'd say, Micah. I don't think it gets much worse than 3-0 at home. <laughs> yeah. um, so as I said, it was grim, it was cold. And for anyone that went, you know, fair play to you. Um, so let's cover the team news because there was... A big surprise there. Um, that surprise being George Thomas out of nowhere starting. I think they were saying on Sky that he only had about 30 minutes of football this season. Don't think he even had a league minute, possibly. Or maybe he did, yeah. but it you know, that was something that came out of nowhere. Clark Salter came back in, Dickie back onto the bench, Richards back onto the bench after now, it's so long ago, but I think he had a really poor game against Coventry. I couldn't quite tell you. I couldn't quite remember, but I'm pretty sure he did. And Irabunum comes back in, which I guess is no surprise. So, um, yeah, that team sheet turns out it's going to be Paul Hall's one and only one as caretaker manager. I hope it at least this season. Um, never know. Yeah, that's the thing. You never, never know. Um, but what did you think of it when it first came out? Uh, I was uh, kind of expecting everything except maybe the George Thomas call. Um, I don't know. It it kind of felt like pre-World Cup break, we were kind of building up to this big sort of um, Taylor Richards is going to come into the first team and kind of show us what he's about. Uh, story arc, which just kind of like hasn't happened as of yet. Um you know, I mean, there's a lot to unpack with that. I mean, really, because Taylor Richards feels very much like it was a signing from the for the previous manager or the previous manager wanted him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, rest of the team, not too surprised. I kind of expected maybe to see Dickie back in the team. Uh, it kind of feels like something's going on there. Um, I, I can't remember who tweeted it. It might have been Dave McIntyre, but... You're looking at a QPR team where, you know, Shadipo and George Thomas are getting in the team. With the, all due respect to both of them, they're getting in the team and Rob Dickey isn't. It does make you think, you know, what is going on there? It, it, he looks a little short of confidence at the moment. Well, I'm glad you um, mentioned that because that was actually the next thing I was going to mention. And we'll go back to your extended thoughts on the team news in a second. But as soon as you brought it up, it is something that's bugging me, the fact that Dickey isn't playing. And you mentioned there that he's 
perhaps short on confidence. That's probably because he's sort of in for one game out for the other. Mm. I know we've all been at times praising the different centre-backs, but on last week's pod, you know, I, I was very clear in the fact that we shouldn't be having Liam Balogun, to be honest. I wouldn't even be... I don't really want him starting that much. Yeah. He, he shouldn't be the first choice. And he was very much a Beal man, uh, person. And it was highlighted pretty well by Clive Whittenham in his uh, debrief of the whole Beal situation that, you know, it was just one of these things that Beal went back on after saying yeah. that we had so much experience and you have to coach these players. He then went and signed this ancient centre-back that is yeah. just going to be dead wages at the end of the season. Dickey is... And has been for a long time, been in that bracket with Willock and Chair and now Sonny Diang as well. Of one of these players that we're going to have to sell eventually, um, you know, at a profit to keep us going. And mm. keeping him on the bench for whatever reason, um, it's just not going to benefit us in the long term. He needs to be playing and it needs to be in the shop window a little bit because come the end of the season, we probably will have to send, sell one of these players. It might mm. well be him. And probably it can't... Too. Yeah. Um, this feels like a Manning slash Osai Samuel situation where you just have a... You know, you're going to eventually have him running down a contract and mm. he's going to... And this is going to be the season where Manning was sort of bombed out by... Um, mm. McLaren, McLaren, you know, we we haven't been playing Dicky this season. I know for some some fans he doesn't quite do it, but I don't get it. He is our best centre back on paper and in practice, and he's not playing, and it, it is really frustrating for me because it just feels like another mistake waiting to happen. Yeah, it feels really weird to be honest with you. And I guess the big difference between the Osei Samuel and Manning situation compared to this one is that with Osei Samuel and Manning there was an element of um, these guys are young players that hadn't really had a full season under their belt yet. So I wouldn't say you can be forgiven because obviously he got it massively wrong. But you could understand maybe why McLaren, you know, didn't want to take that risk. I look at Rob Dickey, I think he's one player of the season for us in his first season. He had a really, in my opinion, solid campaign up until March last year, which, you know, you can say everybody really did until March. Um and he's come in this season and, you know, I haven't really felt he's been bad up until this kind of uh, run and form mid sort of October where he's been in and out of the team. And I I just wonder what it is. I mean, you know, for I get it. You know, for some people, he might be a little bit too flashy or whatever. He's he's not a bruiser. He's not a Terry Butcher. He's not a Clint Hill. Um, but I mean, and, and I'm not saying he's as good as John Stones, but look at John Stones for England the other night. What what his calmness on the ball provides, you know, mm. you know how that allows the midfield to push a little bit further up the pitch because they know that they can trust their centre back with the ball. Not only do we have that with Rob Dickey, maybe not to an elite level like John Stones, but to have that in the Championship and put that on top of the fact that Dickey does like to carry the ball forward, not just pass it forward. He will literally carry the ball forward play a pass and overlap the centre midfielder. That's something that maybe four or five teams in the championship have that I can mm. think of at the top of my head. Add to so, that as well, the fact that when he does occasionally carry it out, um, he has a tendency at times to twat it into the top corner of the net. Like, yeah. you know, that's useful. I mean, you could say, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, come, it, come, it, it doesn't useful. happen all the time, but like, 
you know, he does do it and he's done it on multiple occasions. I mean, it's won us, it's won us quite a few points in yeah. doing that. You know, I'm not saying that should be our tactic, that Dickie should be scoring 20 screamers a season. But I mean, you've got the attributes of a very useful player there. I can't understand, like, as a coach, how you don't see that with the way the game is played at the moment and think, yeah, I can get something out of that. Yeah. Uh, go back then to your thoughts on the team news originally, um, sort of moving up further through the team. Yeah, um, yeah. So, can't even remember what I said. Yeah, for the most part, I kind of expected it. I had a feeling just from watching like the Paul Hall interviews that he wasn't really going to try and rock the boat too much. It was pretty clear that he understood the assignment was: look, you'll get in one game, just keep the players fit, keep them on their toes until we bring somebody else in. Um, but the the George Thomas thing, and then I'm sure we'll get to it. But the change at half time, it. If I'm being completely honest, it kind of reeked a bit of this game's on TV. It's our last game on TV before the January transfer window. Let's put a couple guys in the in the shop window a little bit for January, see what we can get for Shadipo and Thomas and whatnot, which, you know, you might yeah. look at it as well. You've you've kind of made the fans come out in the cold for a game that you kind of have thrown, or you might look at it as well, we need the money. Like, yeah, fair enough, put them in the shop window. Well, they never really sort of looked to actually challenge Burnley at any point, really, did they? You know, f- I-, I didn't get to watch all of the game, and I'm glad I didn't because, you know, work was... It got to a point where I couldn't feasibly sort of shirk my responsibilities at work and not, not and watch this disaster instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you didn't miss anything. <laughs> but I, I managed to see the first half, and, you know, the, the just... W- it always felt like we were going to lose because there was never any effort to actually get at them. There was occasionally, okay, a chance may have been created, but that's just kind of, it never felt like it was done through any sort of good work. It was just kind of, it just happened, you know, like the ball fell to Willock on the edge of the box and he took a swing at it and it went over and okay, we we haven't scored and that's probably going to be our only chance now for Mm. a significant period in the game. You, you've, it's fallen to the person you really want it to fall to, and he's skied it, which is gutting. Um, but also, you know, like I said, it always felt like they were going to score. It would be nice, it would be really nice if they didn't score from an absolutely ridiculous free kick. Like, oh, goodness. Like, we can start with the early refereeing decision, or we can go on to that one. I don't mind. The, the penalty, yeah, we should have had a penalty. I don't think there's any real debate there. I've never seen QPR Twitter so unified on something. Um, (laughs) No, it's like, there wasn't even someone going, well, maybe. No, it definitely was a penalty. Just a penalty. There's there's no way around it. It is a penalty. But it's it's kind of like, do you know what's funny? I was sat there watching it with my dad. And even though it was a penalty, both of us sat there and said he's not going to give it. Because the... I don't know what it is about refs in the championship, but if there's a big decision early, and it's happened a couple times this season, if there's a big decision early, they're just not going to make it. Mm. Like if it's a red card, a blatant red card early, not going to make Do you remember the um, Andy Carroll one that we had a bit of argument about yeah. on Tyler Roberts? That was only about 20 odd minutes into the game as well. And that, bear in mind that one, the George Thomas one's 30 seconds. So this is a bit later. 
But I remember when I saw it, I wasn't sure it was a red, but I knew even if it was a red, he wasn't going to give it mm. 20 minutes into the game. The reffing in this league is just like, it's not even just bad anymore. It's just predictable. Yeah. And he's so predictable that I'm sure almost every single QPR fan after um, after we didn't get the penalty and after we had the free kick where Jack Cork nobly, I say that with air quotes if you're listening, very nobly said, no, I dived. Um Every QPR fan knew that they were scoring from that because we yeah. we we have three or four of these games a season where this happens. Yeah, I absolutely knew. This thing, of course, he's going to score. Of course, oh yeah, and he whips it into yes. the other side of the net. Like you know, maybe let's debate again. Tenny's goalkeeping. I don't really want to. It shouldn't have been a free kick in the first place. That's that's the only point worthy of the discussion for that situation. As you mentioned, um, uh, Jack Cork nobly said that he, he didn't. Can we get he, into that, please? He dived. And it's just uh, unbelievable. Like, I kind of, I really don't like Sky. I really don't. And I wish that any other sort of broadcaster would take over the responsibility of broadcasting. I thought they were going to give him but, a Nobel Peace Prize, Alex. I thought they, I couldn't believe it. Like, for a, a multitude of reasons, they just are lazy in their sort of research into the, the, the one league that they do cover. They don't cover the two other leagues unless it's an international break. And then if they do cover them, it's probably just like Portsmouth or Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. You know, they they are shocking in their lack of effort into actually doing something meaningful with their product. Um, And now they've got Jamie Mackey on as a sort of unapologetic QPR propagandist, which I'm not even sure is a good thing, to be honest. It's just going to annoy other people. Yeah. Um, But they were so... I don't know what the word is, but they're so happy that Cork kind of half-arsingly said, it, "I didn't, I just, I dived, I guess." But then after the match, he said he didn't dive. It, but he didn't apologize enough to sort of say, "No, don't give him the free kick." They, they still took the free kick. It doesn't matter if you say after it happens that you because the ref's not going to go, "Ah, oh, okay, sorry, guys, yeah, I yeah. got it wrong." Like if I if I if I kill somebody right, and then I'm found not guilty. And then outside of the courthouse, I say to all the reporters, oh, actually, guys, I did kill him. Like, yeah, sorry, I, I did actually kill him. What does that mean? Because I'm not going to jail. Like, it's easy it's easy, to, it's easy, to say you did something when there's not any consequences. Like, you don't get a reward for that. I couldn't yeah. believe it. It was just sort of like typical of the lapdog sort of Burnley at top of the league. Let's just sort of say anything to make them happy kind of. You know, they're absolutely incredible, majestic club, whatever. Um, I just, I would like to say I couldn't believe it, but of course I could believe it because they're just so, so lazy in it. And they're kind of, you know, we're obviously, we're, we're football fans, lovers of football. We watch a lot of it. That The guys on Sky, majority of them are ex-players or journalists. At what point in, when they were playing, would they be happy with, like, exactly what happened and being on the on that end of it like would you be would you be happy that someone in the studio is going oh yeah well he's apologetic so you know it's actually not that bad no you wouldn't be happy about it at all like they are so far removed from the sort of everyday aspect of the game and what actual I guess what actual fans feel in that moment because if QPR Mm. did that to Burnley you can guarantee that Burnley fans would not be happy about it and I wouldn't you know we've come on here post Cardiff and sort of gone yeah, we bought that penalty. Like, that's awful. That's really, you know, yeah. it's bad refereeing, but it wasn't really a penalty. I just, it seems so bizarre. It's 
one of the reasons why I just don't watch the Sky coverage until the first kickoff. Until and if I could, yeah. I would mute the commentary because it's I just love not it. worth I it. I love it when we're on the, the red button because then you just get the first half and then silence for 15 minutes. And it's always better than whatever analysis they have for us when it's all on a Friday night. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, um, yeah, so that, that was stupid. Uh, second goal then. Sonny makes a pretty decent save. It, it, it lets, if you're going to talk about uh, goalkeeping um, criticism and stuff like that, I know from my limited experience of going in goal, the one thing that people tell you is that when you make a save, you palm it away from the goal, yeah, sort of like goal. round round the post and stuff like that. Uh, and mm. he kind of does that, and it falls to some Burnley player that just I don't know, it just seems to be there. Like it's a really good finish, to yeah, be fair. Um, fantastic finish. Really... But like I don't know, like should is Led sort of caught napping a little bit? I don't know what, what happens. Maybe. Maybe do you know what? Maybe Alex, but I mean, I just watching that game, you could like, like you said, from the minute the first ball was kicked, and even after we didn't get the penalty, especially then, you could just see like nobody was up for it. And I'm not, do you know what? I almost give him a pass. Three 0 at home is embarrassing, and it shouldn't be happening with the squad of players that we have. But I do almost give him a pass just because it's like, I mean, like Irabunim is probably thinking, am I going to be here? in two weeks' mm. time. Laird's thinking, am I going to be here in two years' time? Kenneth Powell's probably thinking, why am I here again? I can't actually like remember why I did this again. His pregnant girlfriend's uh, still back in Holland or whatever. Or... Yeah, so, I mean, they all look shell-shocked. I know that the, all the talk in the week from Paul Hall was, oh, we've moved on from it, blah, blah, blah. They've not moved on from it, I'll be honest. They haven't. Um, they clearly were right behind this manager. They'd clearly bought in. You could see it because there's been whether we want to admit it or not, you know, there's been improvement in, I would say, pretty much all the key players other than Dickey um, in terms of development. So you can see that they clearly had all bought into it. So um, the uh, the new man who I'm sure we'll get onto has got a really big job in kind of not even just getting spirits back up, but getting the players to kind of uh, trust the ideas that he'll have. Yeah, I mean, like anything that Paul Hall said, and I think there was a, you know, if you can... Remember back to the start of the season, our club captain is actually Stephanie Hansen. You may have forgotten that, but he did an article as well, something like that, that went oh, yeah. out through the club, saying that they're just focused on sort of, you know, finishing the season in as strong as possible, or words to that effect, I think. Mm. And it's never going to be the case, is it? Let's be honest. Like, once this sort of thing, if we're, you know, angry and upset as fans of a club, the ones that, you know, careers are on, on the line here, they've yeah. made a big, big, choices on, on a lot of promises from a certain individual and that's that's gone now for a lot for a lot of them so you know they, they will i'm sure be professional and try their best beyond this game um but it's gonna it just because we love qpr and we can sit here and say we would do anything for the club doesn't mean they're going to do the same thing so you no. can't expect that it's a job to them and mm. they they can have a good day and we'll praise them you can have a bad day like Jimmy Dunn and even though you're a fan's favourite get eviscerated on Twitter um, yeah and we'll move on to that next so that third goal uh, what you know if there was one thing missing from the performance you know you had bad penalty decision bad refereeing decision to give him the free kick a bit of luck their way 
what would be next? A shambolic goal. And yeah. uh, we duly obliged. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a QPR smashing uh, if there isn't at least one. Um, you know, I, you, you, you could say maybe, you know, Dunn should be more aware that there's a player behind him. You could say maybe Senny should give him the shout. All in all, um, like chesting it back to the keeper like mm. that is just suicide. Because even if there's no one there, it's probably going to bounce three times before... Um, for Dieng's able to pick it up. Um, yeah, it just summed up our day, really, to be honest with you. And it's a shame for um it's a shame for Jimmy Dunn, because obviously he got a bit of this, he got a bit of stick for the um the one at Luton as well, which um I felt probably was more um Senny's fault than his. Um this one I probably let his door. Um but I don't think it I mean, it never justifies kind of the abuse he was getting on Instagram, really, does it? So, mm. uh, yeah, yeah like, now, just looking at just... the highlights, I wonder whether Dieng was sort of giving him any shouts because the look that Senny gives done sort of like as is it Teller that scores the last goal? Yeah, yeah, as he's running off to celebrate, he's uh, <laughs> he's definitely giving him a stare, or sort of like, What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I noticed like... that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that as well, actually. That's why that's why I feel like I lay it a little bit more at uh, Jimmy Dunn's door than Senny's because the the look Senny gave him could probably kill somebody, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just it just summed up the whole day, really. Like it's just this uh Yeah, it w- wasn't good, was it? Um my sister went in my place and she described the mood at full time as depression. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's really sure cold when we've lost 3-0. What were you expecting? Yeah, but I'm at... sure the weather didn't help either, to be honest with you. <clears throat> no. Um, at halftime, she also sent a message into our family group chat saying, I think it was 2-0 at halftime, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so she sent a message in sort of saying, oh, it could all still change. I was like, yeah, you have not watched QPR much. <laughs> you are you are new to this. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <It's too late. laughs> we knew. We knew what was happening, and it was time to turn off the TVs. Um, but... As mentioned a few times, we do have a new manager now. And, you know, again, it's kind of hard to remember, even though not much time has passed. When did this happen? Who, you know, who is it? It's Neil Critchley, if you're not aware. Um, and it happened post-match, pretty much in, well, not straight away, wow. but it was post-match. Yeah. So are you buying into the conspiracy theories that he... Paul Hall was basically a sacrificial lamb for this game and they're going to give Critchley the easier run at it. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, purely off the fact that I don't think Critchley would have signed the contract after that game, to be honest <laughs> with you. There's, there's no way he signed it after watching that. He must have signed it before. Um, and I mean, maybe maybe it was for the best. Yeah. The result. Um. So are you expecting... You know, what are you expecting from him, really? Are you expecting a lot? Um, it's interesting because from what I've read, um, Dan Bennett from West London Sport wrote something. Um, he's a Blackpool fan, uh, for anybody that doesn't know. He wrote something quite interesting about what to expect. And ex- essentially the crux the crux of the article is uh not to expect anything. <laughs> because he, he he supposedly went into Blackpool with this. Uh, idea of a four three three, based on how kind of Klopp was playing at Liverpool, and obviously um, 
the previous manager and Neil Critchley were obviously together under Klopp at Liverpool for a little bit. So I think their philosophies are a little bit inspired by that. Um, but then he he kind of changed to a four four two and a little bit more direct because of a lack of technical players. So you know that could suggest that we'll be a four four two long ball team. It might suggest that he thinks we've got the technical quality to play the way that he wants to play. It might suggest that we're somewhere in the middle, which is why I think we probably are somewhere in the middle. So um, I think the first four or five weeks um, probably don't expect too much. Probably expect like a team trying to find their way under a new formation. I'm sure the style of play probably won't be too too different. I imagine that's why the club went with him. Um, but First, at least until the end of January, I'm not really expecting us to go on like a incredible run of wins or anything. Mm. The uh, Blackpool fan that uh, Clive Whitnam got to write on his site kind of uh, made the point that QPR fans are angry at Bill, rightly, but Blackpool fans are also very angry at um, Critchley for the way that he left because. You know, one, you've left a championship job for an assistant manager job. Two, he left without saying anything, apparently. Yeah, um, which is weird. Which is weird. But, you know, I would like to offer this. When your ex-manager, okay, is still writing Instagram stories, praising the club, <laughs> praising its appointments and stuff like that, it's not a bad thing sometimes that someone leaves and doesn't say anything. I would have it's taken him saying nothing. Yeah, I still to this day wish um, the previous manager, whose name I will not say, um, had just said nothing because it's just more insulting, isn't it, really? Yeah. Like, he's uh, I guess he's got he's... a bit more of a connection, though, doesn't he, at Blackpool? Because he took them up. Yeah. Yeah. So on, I, I kind of understand it from that point of view, maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of... I also saw in that article someone mentioned that uh, they had trouble... Uh, breaking down teams that played in a low block. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fantastic. He's going to fit right in. <laughs> it's like, oh, brilliant. This is just, you know, I guess there's not much you can do mid-season and it's probably the best of, uh, not, not even going to say a bad bunch because I'd reckon the na- names in consideration are better than what we had in the summer. But mm. like, it's probably the same list, whatever. Uh Yeah. Well, there's that rumor, isn't there? There's that rumor that he was he was going to get it in the summer, and mm-hmm. then we spoke to uh, we spoke to Mick Beal. Yeah, um, and I think Clive said as well that um, the get, comp- when he gets you in a room, he can convince you to do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, he's very good at that, isn't he? Which is, sounds like um, a, the power of a low level Batman villain. <laughs> I'd love Batman to beat up Mick Beal. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. On, a, on another note, um, it's I can it's, it's quite funny because I don't know if anybody's seen the uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Alex. Have you seen the first interview that he did with the club? No, I haven't. I don't really okay. watch any of well, that sort of stuff. To be honest, spoilers. Yeah, spoilers ahead. Um, uh, he is the exact opposite of Mick Beal in terms of you know you could just sit and listen to Mick Beal talk about football or talk about QPR or whatever just for ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil Critchley looks like he would rather be anywhere else, but like behind the camera talking all day. He's he just seem he just seems like a massive football nerd that just wants to like coach. And honestly, that might be the best thing for us right now. Yeah, I I would rather that than uh, 
the previous guy, I guess. So what do you think? Um, bear in mind, we don't have that much longer on this uh, Zoom call, but um, what do you think the aims are now? Are we going to try and just sort of hang in there at the top half of the table or are we going to push a little bit for the playoffs? Because I assume the deal would have been if you get promoted, we'll try and keep all our key players. But if you don't, we're going to lose at least one, possibly two of Mm. the four players that we already mentioned, you know, earlier in this podcast. Yeah. I, I, I uh, imagine it will be a little bit of a situation where we probably, we've kind of put our eggs in this playoff push basket now. Um, So I probably imagine the club will want to see that through. Um, but, you know, it's a bit of an awkward situation because the manager doesn't know all the players. And from what I read about him, he's very big on, you know, young players playing in as many different positions as possible. Um, he's kind of credited with making Trent Alexander-Arnold a right-back instead of a midfielder. I'm not saying he's going to do that to any of us, but I imagine he's going to want to... We're about you know, to see the, con- the conversion of Nico Hamelainen into a midfield destroyer, are we? <laughs> Listen, if he if he does that, we can put a mural of him like outside the loft instead of the stand bolster. If he does that, I I'm on board. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. I imagine you know there's still enough time between now and the end of the season to make a proper playoff push. I imagine we can kiss goodbye to automatics, whether that was ever or not. I just can't imagine that happening now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Rubbish answer for you, really, Alex. I'm, nah, that's all right. We don't really January. know what's going to happen, do we? we there's a yeah. lot to sort of over the next couple of weeks. They've got to get a bit of energy back in the squad again. Um, mm. You know, and I think who stays and who goes. Period. Who stays and who goes in January, and I include the lone players in that, is probably going to be key to kind of what the aims are for the rest of the season as well. Yeah. Uh, just lastly on Critchley, there's a look, you know, there's quite a bit of anger out there about the fact that it took so long to take to make this appointment. Um, obviously, there's a little bit of, you know, conspiracies going around about whether we're making it easier for him by not appointing him prior to Burnley. So he has he didn't have to sort of oversee that sh- disaster, really. Um, one thing I would say is that when you have to do this mid-season and you have limited funds regardless mm. of how much we've been paid out by re- Rangers and uh, your top prospect or your the one that you really want is out of contract and your a- the agent gets wind of this now I don't think they'd be a very good agent to sort of just let QPR quickly sign them like yeah. Once, yeah. surely once an agent finds out that that's the situation they don't let their talent go easily and they will do everything they can to hold QPR over a barrel, which is what we were. We, that was the situation, surely. Uh, so if there was any delays in it, I can only imagine that was something to do with it, at least. You know, nothing like this comes easy. And all those rumours that got Micah and got Dan very excited about Fuentes probably were put out to sort of, <laughs> you know, get Critchley to... I don't know, sign on the dotted line. Yeah, but I mean, probably. And I mean, like, you know, the big thing people got hung up on in the um, athletic article when Bill left was, oh, there was a little byline which said, oh, yeah, the club already have a short list of managers that they'd want to interview um, uh, when when he was linked with the Wolves job. Um, having a prepared shortlist and a quick appointment are two different things. Yeah. Like, we remember it took, like, weeks in the summer 
Mm. Like between the end of the season and the manager coming in, it's pretty clear they saw the opportunity as no football as being all right. Well, let's take the time to kind of interview as many people as we possibly can. Um, they probably had Critchley in mind, and I understand people's frustration with that because he was the favourite from day one. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'd rather they did their due diligence and made sure they interviewed everybody than like absolutely, you know, just hey, here's Critchley, one well of guys. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to say it again, but you know, we may love Queen's Park Rangers, but you know, managers and players don't necessarily love QPR from the mm. outside looking in. So they're not necessarily gonna sort of drop everything and just join us because yeah. because we're QPR. We, that card cannot be played. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there is that to consider. You'd think with the last manager going that people would have realised that by now, but apparently not. So. No, no, apparently not. Still greatest club on earth. Um with that bombshell. I think it's time we drew this podcast to an end. So thank you, Micah, for coming on and uh going over and revisiting some bad memories from Sunday. Um yep. But yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening, you guys. Uh, follow us both on Twitter. Follow our generation on Twitter. Subscribe to us on the platform that you're using to listen to this podcast and give us a review. Uh, a nice one, please, if you feel like it. Uh, <laughs> apart from that, until next time, come on, you ours.